0: Welcome to Archery Country Podcast.
1: Hello. If you haven't noticed, this is obviously not Big Wade. Um, you may have heard my voice before on one other podcast, which we talked about crossbows. And that one, and my name is Desiree, and I work at the Rogers shop, um, but I, I'm not a botec like the rest of the guys here. I just do marketing and internet e-commerce things, and she what does, else? She
2: does a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: What she's else? what we call a shop mama. Yeah. So not only is she uh, what she just said as far as marketing and social media and takes care of but she's also like our uh, counselor here at the shop.
1: <laughs> Dream busy season. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah yeah so today we are gonna talk about something that we hear every day in the shop right now, right yeah um, and that is broadheads because we are about twenty two or twenty three days away from opener mm-hmm. here in Minnesota, yeah, here yeah. in Minnesota, and it's I would say I think I hear it every at least once a day when oh, yeah. I'm, when I'm walking around in the shop, so I am not as versed in wrenching on bows and things like that, so I'm not, I'm not the most educated on, like, which broadhead to shoot for what reason. So I think what we should dive into first is the factors to consider when choosing your broadhead. Like, what, when you talk to customers, like, what are the, what are the things that you're thinking about mm-hmm. when they're choosing
2: yeah, I mean, it's it's 100% based off of application. So what are you going to be hunting? Right. So are you hunting turkeys? Are you hunting bear? Are you hunting um, mule deer where you might be taking a longer shot? Um, you know, there's there's quite a few variables when it comes to that conversation.
0: Yeah, there's, an, I kind of have like a rule of three. So what the debate is, if, if fixed versus mechanical and then applications and, and why this, why that, and we're giving you just a little bit more insight because fortunately for us, we see it all. Your average Joe, um, you know, they see their setup or they see their son set up or their wife set up or what they see on YouTube, you yeah. know. But for every individual out there, you could be a thirty inch draw shooting seventy-five pounds, or you could you know, there's three things. So back to the, the topic. There's a three rules that i go by draw weight draw length and then what are you shooting what animal are you shooting Mm -hmm. that that if you can give me those three answers then i can give you three products that i would strongly recommend okay so unfortunately if you read this this on your iphone or on your your uh radio and i'm trying really hard not to be the host here sorry That's fine. but it you know we we struck your attention with the big broadhead debate But we're here not to, we're not going to debate, like we're not going to, we're going to give you the positives and the negatives, and then we're going to feed you with a bunch of scenarios. Luckily, we have you as an anomaly of what we usually see in the shop, Um, you know, because usually it's a, a guy that's from 18 to 45 shooting anywhere from 27 inches to 30 inches and 60 pounds to 75, you know. It's very see. different from what right. where
1: I'm at. Mm-hmm. Is, but
0: I, I go by those. If you can answer those three questions for me, then I have a pretty good idea where I'm going. Yep.
1: Okay. So let's dig into, I kind of thought we'd do it like fixed blades, pros and cons, and then mechanicals, pros and cons.
0: Okay. What do you think? Yeah, it's, I mean, let's just let's lay it out on the table. I'm a mechanical broadhead dude. I have been for a long time. The last time I shot a fixed blade broadhead was 2002 in South Dakota in Custer, the National Forest.
1: And um, what and what draw weight do you pull?
0: Now I'm shooting basically 72 to 77 pounds. Okay. Uh, 29 and a half is my draw length. Arrow length is 27 and three quarters. Um, usually pre- I, I go on the stiff side and my arrow weight averages 440 to 525.
1: Here's here's a good question too. Do you guys choose your broadhead first or your arrows? Like how do you right? Cuz you sometimes depending on what you shoot that will you might need to stiffen up or
2: Yeah, it's kind of based off your bow. Um it seems like every you bow You mean is personally
0: or customer? Both. Oh. I mean
2: Yeah, I mean it's all based off of I guess overall specs on a bow when it comes to picking on an arrow if that's what you're asking um and then like for myself and i think you're like probably the same way is it kind of depends on how each bow shoots a certain arrow i don't shoot exactly the exact same arrow that i have the last oh, five no, years
0: no uh yeah i have three bows rolling right now and three different arrow builds just i mean just
2: i could tell you i probably
0: have at least eight to 10 different
2: sets of arrows in my garage right now?
1: Well, I think that that's that's sort of my question. So I think for me being someone who's I would say the uh, um, newer newer to the archery game when When you get a set of arrows you generally have like a hundred grain broadheads or a hundred grain field tips on there. So you think When you go to the shop and you see a different broadhead that's maybe 125 grain or 150 grain like That's confusing to me because I'm like, well, don't you want the same weight?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Whatever you're practicing with and whatever you're sighted in with. So 100 grain is like the industry standard. Mm -hmm. Um, The day of shooting super heavy broadheads, I don't think it's over, but it's diminishing because we're taking and adding, boosting our FOC with weighted inserts. Oh, yeah. So you know, you can get all the way up to 200 grain insert with a hundred grain head is still 300. Right.
2: right. And like 15, 20 years ago, there was no such thing as like super heavy insert. It was just heavier. Right. Broadheads broadheads. Tips. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: That makes more sense. Yep.
0: So that's where you have back in the day, you know, 150 grains wikis and, um, uh, 125 thunderheads, you know, you could buy a pack of, I think it was 12 broadheads at Fleet Farm for 25 bucks 15 20 bucks or something now but like that that, that's not that's not 2023 anymore um and honestly we only carry one one broadhead that's over 125 grains Mm -hmm. that's a kudu then we have i don't know maybe six or seven 125 grain options Mm -hmm. and then forty hundred grain options right so and then
2: regarding inserts we have pretty wide variety of weighted uh, inserts i mean you've got yeah, easton brass inserts you have <laughs> stainless steel inserts from victory uh, know. We, got know, ethics. Ethics. we got ethics ethics inserts
0: Easton's, you said hit yeah. i mean you can go i think the lightest insert we have is 20 it's
2: like a easton
0: hit i suppose that's 16 grains yeah. yep.
1: do people play with that those insert weights more with fixed broadheads or mechanical broadheads or it's pretty much the same
0: depending on the person just depends I, I think a lot of it to be honest is they don't know what they're doing they the the, the the basics of an arrow so if you add weight to the tip of the arrow you weaken the shaft so like we've said on however many podcasts right that number that's on the side of your arrow 350 400 500 250 whatever it may be that's a spine that's that d- your that does not equate to weight yeah which
2: Everyone thinks it does. Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah. And it, so it's a deflection. It's how stiff your arrow is. Anytime we add weight to the tip where your broadhead or field point screws into, that weakens the shaft. Anytime you add weight to the tail end of the arrow, the knock end, that stiffens the shaft. Anytime you cut down a shaft, it stiffens the spine. Anytime you leave a shaft super long, it weakens the spine. So they may come in and buy a dozen arrows and get them cut at 28 and a half inches and then all of a sudden they put in a 150 grain insert. Well, your 350 spine arrow just turned into a 580 400. I mean, between there depending. So yeah. you're you've weakened everything. There's a basis, you know, all these arrow charts that are you can print them out. you can look them up on your phone. They're they're easy accessible. They have different options. Are you shooting a 100 grain up yep. front or 125? But you I mean, you can get too carried away with it. Mhm. And a lot of people don't have that clue. You know, they're like, well, I ordered this from this company, you know, Consumer Direct. Can you glue them in? Well, sure, but not this shaft. You know, now we got to go step to a 300 or a 250. Yeah. So you get, you kind of have to understand the dynamics.
1: That's why I love having you guys because I don't even want to think about and,
0: it. Oh, it's a, <laughs> and then it's a rabbit hole because
2: then it's the <laughs> tuning aspect after that. Wow. Which takes even longer. It's not just you can buy a pack of arrows online and put a bunch of weight in the front and it's just going to shoot glorious right away. It's just not. And and
0: don't get me wrong. There's some, I mean, there's one company that I know of like you, when you order, you have to fill out all your bow specs, speed, draw length, what bow it is, what cam it is. And then they'll build you a match grade set of arrows. Kind of. But they're not tuning your bow. You know, they're, I've, I, the big thing right now is if you look at, like, our friend John Dudley, I hate to bring that name up again and again and again <laughs> again, but um, also the guys that are out west, and and I forget Brandon's buddy up in Alexandria that plays a bunch. You know Joel Maxfield. Mm-hmm. Um, like, everything's always come back to the same. 440-grain arrow with 50 grains up front and 100-grain tip. Like, everybody's kind of done this big, huge weight forward extreme. Right. We're not we're going to name names, but, yeah, yeah I mean.
2: Testing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, your, your killers, your guys that actually just shoot
0: a ton of stuff. They're shooting roughly about the same weight arrow. That's yep. Just That's the way it is. It, because it tunes amazing. It flies. Your trajectory. You don't have huge pin gaps. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing against the guys that go heavy, but there's no real answer for it. In my mind. I mean, I've been proved wrong before. And,
2: I, and like I so, said, I think it depends on your situation too. I really do. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, if you're shooting pigs at 20 right. yards right. or l- like for eight years, my buddy and I, as we were hunting in Nebraska, we were hunting cattail slews and stuff and you're shooting deer at five to 10 yards away, you know, you could hear them coming through the water and you know, you had one shot and it and it might be a little bit more. From on on. it's not always Mm -hmm. a broadside shot so we were shooting more of a heavier arrow fixed heads at least i was um but it's all based off of application you know
0: yeah and then it's back to those three answers you know what if you if you're going to go shoot an elephant or a cape buffalo well obviously we're going to do a bunch of stuff different because you do Mm -hmm. need that magical kinetic energy number Mm -hmm. um you know foot pounds that your bow is producing you know, we're going to run a pretty heavy setup t- for penetration issues. And nine times out of ten, you're going to shoot a fixed blade. Mm-hmm. Single cut or single bevel or double bevel, cut on contact. But, you know, that's that's like saying a concrete block compared to a cardboard right. box. There's a lot of you factors. <laughs> we're, we're in the Midwest. We shoot yeah. whitetails and turkey and bear. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, out west, you got muleys and antelope, I would say, are probably one of your weaker. And then you have elk. You know, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is right now. If they haven't left, they're leaving. It's like elk. That's the talk. Mm-hmm. There's some different things on elk. Um,
1: so what do you suggest for, for elk? Fix or mechanical? For somebody that shoots 60, 70 pounds.
0: Well, again, so I'll ask you. How much weight? Not 60 or 70, no. but how much weight do you pull?
1: I'm 46 right now.
0: And your draw length?
1: 27 and a half
0: okay i definitely shoot a fixed blade browned
1: i i do but i've definitely been playing with the different options to figure out what's
0: now the reasoning behind that i need penetration um on an elk you have a massive rib cage so if you're aiming that you know the elk when you look at the lungs and the heart and where it sits a little bit further back but yet It's such a massive area. Your scapula on an elk's shoulder, not the actual shoulder, ball, and socket, but the scapula comes back so far that you you don't have 21 inches like they say to aim at. You have a narrow, long strip. Does that make sense? Like a rectangle. Yep, yep. So just the rib and the rib cartilage alone, you know, is going to stop a lot. So that's where your fixed is going to be bone-crushing, cartilage crushing and then get in and cut so for example for you definitely probably even a cut on contact two blade or three blade and then i'm going to make sure that the arrows are unbelievably tuned so at that 30 yard mark there's no sideways drift tail left tail right up down so your broadhead is the same plane as you know as close to mother earth as we can get so I'm not coming in at a huge arc, or my tail isn't left, so that I'm cutting with one blade versus three or two. But
1: that's interesting yeah. that you say that because I have not um, talked to you guys about broadhead tuning before. But in the last previous years that I've I've had a, like switch up, switch up my broadhead in the middle of season because I've realized as I'm shooting it, like two out of the three four, you know, every three four would like veer off. And I wonder if that's what that is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then I get freaked out because I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to have a bad shot. Right. So then
2: you want to make an ethical shot. Yeah. So
1: then I'm like, okay, I'll go to a smaller, like a, a slick trick or whatever, where I know it's not gonna, I'm not going to have that. Mm-hmm. That kind yeah. of, I
0: mean, it, it, if you wanted to break it down for somebody, like if you throw a dart at a dartboard, right, they have a really elongated point. If it doesn't go in perfectly straight or at a little bit of an arc down, it's not going to stick, you know, or it'll barely penetrate the cork board. Yeah. Uh, even worse on a plastic dart board with plastic tips. But that's, you know, that's the biggest thing is is you have to, everyone comes in, oh, I can see like 40 yards, my arrow's going whoop. Maybe you're seeing that, you know, I, you know, there's odd color veins. So if you go orange, orange, white, like every time that you pick up that white. Yeah. But you know, shooting through paper is a start and then shoot group tuning and and seeing how your arrows impact. And then, I mean, Dan can attest it. Shoot your broadheads. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Then you have an answer. But if your broadheads are eight inches to the right, you got some issues. You know, there's a reason. Because there's surface area on that broadhead, and it the broadhead is intensifying your flaw in your arrow build, or your arrow tune, I should say. So, if your broadhead is to the right 8 inches, that means you have a tail left tear somewhere during the flight process. So, paradox of that arrow, the veins have corrected it, but they can't correct the path. They can only correct the paradox. Does that make sense? hmm you know, like football, if you watch the NFL, they have yeah, the this little. This is not the football. But they <laughs> they have the yellow screen pens, and you can see them make an oh, arc, yep, you yep. know. Your arrow is making a right-hand turn somewhere during your, coming out of your bow. And you need to adjust for that. I mean, not, that was wrong. You don't need to adjust. You need to tune for that to yep. get it back straight.
1: Do you think that fixed blades, you see that more? Because those blades are out Definitely. there? Definitely,
2: yeah. Uh, a fixed head just. It seems like it. There's more issues with planing, like like Wade said. It just that those blades kind of just steer your imperfections in your tune. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: and I I mean I don't know if we answered your question like the positives and negatives, or you said we're gonna go down that road.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> the positives of a fixed blade is they out penetrate anything.
2: <clears throat>
0: You're always gonna have a cut. There's no mechanical device that's gonna fail. Right. Right.
2: And if your brought it inside the cavity, it's always cutting. Yeah. Expandable's generally kind of a little bit, but it's not it's not constantly cutting. If that air that air if that animal is moving or running and that arrow's is inside the cavity and that brought it inside there, it's gonna be doing a lot more damage than what a mechanical is gonna be doing too.
1: That's what that's what happened with the, my last deer well my only deer that i shot with a bow so far but yeah. went in and then it just she was running and mm-hmm. just grinded that mm-hmm. up
0: and that's what lung. killed her yeah yep. i mean the hemorrhaging the slicing there's no blade big enough to do what that just did yeah
2: but a big pro to fixed heads or sorry expandables would be larger cut they fly better um
0: what else we got wade <laughs> that's i mean you got blood on blood on spot um
1: yeah, that's the one thing that has been a challenge for me is just the bl- the blood. I mean, yeah. the last one I shot, there's no blood.
0: Mm-hmm. So you kind of walk like a 50-50 rope, right? So if a deer doesn't move and you shoot it with a fixed blade, I'm just going to stick to deer because that's kind of what we're home-bodied here. Mm-hmm. But right. I shoot a doe at 30 yards and she doesn't move 50% of the time. That arrow's through her before she knew what happened, right? I have a hole, an inch and an eighth maybe. Average. And then an exit hole, an inch, inch and an eighth. If she didn't move. Now, if she moves, usually a deer will go down and then out, right? So if I was aiming at the top of the heart, bottom of the lungs, and she moved now on top of the lungs, my entrance hole is so high that the, that cavity has to fill up with blood besides that little bit of hide blood. Mm-hmm. like there, So your entrance hole isn't going to produce blood. blood. Your right. exit hole hopefully, doesn't close up. I think fixed blades can produce, again, the positives, unbelievable penetration, cut on contact for the most part, or you're always going to have a cut of some sort, but it's small. The negatives of a fixed blade is you're going to have accuracy issues. No matter how well your bow is tuned, if the wind kicks up 15 to 20 miles an hour, mm-hmm. Accuracy issues because you have surface area if you're taking 60 70 80 yard shots accuracy issues because you have That again that surface area and you have drag the slower you slow down your arrow. Does that make sense? Yep. The worse it's gonna be and and it's gonna drop because you still have gravity pulling everything down Right. The Positives of your mechanical like Dan said huge wound channels pinpoint accuracy Less surface area. The negatives of a mechanical are getting less and less and less and less because we're not dealing with collars anymore. We're not dealing the with rubber. Yeah, I mean. we're not dealing with O rings. Yeah, O rings like it's it's almost fail proof. I, I can't say it's a hundred percent fail proof, but it almost is.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you are talking durability, fixed heads more durable, but like you said. Expandables are getting really tough, man. Mm-hmm. Same with blade stiffness,
0: too. Yeah. Better materials. Better, you know, better aluminum stainless. Now we have titanium, so it's lighter and stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, smaller ferrules. You know, that's, that's the big thing is, is people will practice with field points. Let's just say you come into the shop and you say, Dan, I want a dozen rip TKO 300s and I want 100 grain point. We go in the back and we get some bullet points we put them in there. They're a quarter inch long. Broadhead feral's an inch, mm-hmm. seven eighths at the smallest, maybe a half inch on some fix. <clears throat> and you get like a white tail special. That's yeah, it's a huge inch and a quarter or something. I mean, so that's two. You know, everyone says.
1: So when you say feral, that's just the t- that's the tip. Basically. That's like the body, the body, the, of, yeah, the, okay. body
0: of the broadhead. Okay. Sorry,
1: you guys in your technical
0: lingo. Well, uh, sometimes we, <laughs> yeah, sometimes we're not that technical. <laughs> but so again, it you know a lot of people will say, well. It's surface area, it's drag. You just change the spine of your arrow. When you, put, when you elongated that point, you just change the spine of your arrow. So then practice with a field tip that's longer. You know, like we have the easy outs, they're a little bit longer. Um, the Easton Pro Points, they're longer, longer feral field point to duplicate the same turbulence of your broadhead. And then to be honest, the best practice in the world is a broadhead.
1: That's what, I mean, that's what I do. Cause I am so like, I don't, I want to know how it flies.
2: I think one thing that I really struggle with, especially this time of year, is you get a guy that's going on a big hunt and it's like, he spends a ton of money on a bow, ton of money on arrows, ton of money on camel. And he buys like three packs of broads or three broad, total. Yeah. And it's like, buy a few packs and then burn up a pack of them, practice just with them. Practice Absolutely. I mean, I just don't get that. Right. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. That's no, the most important yeah. part of your whole setup is your broadhead.
1: Yeah, and I think I think some people get a little afraid of of spending the money to do that. You know, like on the on the target, which we have three sixty five targets. But I I have done that ever ever since we talked about it, and it is worth it. At least I know that, and when I walk out and I know that my arrow is going to hit.
2: I yeah, I would rather see somebody put their budget towards a cheaper quiver or site and buy some good broadheads, and buy a target and oh shoot I, your I, broadheads.
0: yeah they're just i think you're just being dumb you're i mean you're being lazy so you walk over to the camel rack and you, you just dropped 180 <laughs> bucks on a you know code of silence which by all means i want you to do that but do you know how many broadheads 100 bucks buys yeah that's two packs
1: and if you use the same broadhead every year, you can just right just just your, have those
0: three for yeah. the next couple of years. Yeah, sharpen them up and and practice and that's with what them. And yeah, I don't know. It, you 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 cannot. Is it wrong to say you can or cannot buy confidence? You have to produce confidence.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you have to produce confidence by buying confidence. So don't skimp on you broadheads. Know, just right. yeah. If you buy like you say, and I'm not talking about every because there's guys that buy a, a just buy a pack. Because they already have twelve, right? You know, they they, have these last are just new right
1: and same, right sharp, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, that would be a that's a huge. It's not a turn off, but it's like okay, really. Or everyone says, well, does it come with a practice head?
1: Yeah, just
2: one. The practice heads do not fly the they're same. They're not exactly. And that's why a lot of companies don't make a practice head anymore because they know Cause they're, they're
0: engineers. Like a, they're right. like, well, why right. would they we waste so money? People call and, yeah. and
2: say, hey, well, this actually doesn't even fly the same. So.
0: I mean, mega meats. I love them. Dead meats. They come with a, a BMP. Yeah, but it's not the same.
2: Same with the rage. They don't. Yeah. It
0: they can't. It
1: the can't be right. No.
0: exactly. Just yeah, know that you are gonna burn it. Yeah, exactly. It Just is what it, it is. Put it in the budget. Exactly. Yep. Like you say, you have to buy the process to get confidence. Right. Because yeah. there's no, there's no better feeling when you walk to 40 yards and you can put a broadhead in the X, like. That is it, just like right shooting a rifle. Yeah, yeah just, exactly.
2: Just buy an extra uh, one case day, of bullets or whatever. I'm
1: going to do that. I don't ever practice <laughs> 40 yards with my broadhead.
0: You're fine, but we'll get you there. You're on our team now, sis. <laughs> yeah, we got f- the shop on shop. We, we got to fix some arrows, but we'll get <laughs> you there. I do think
2: the people know there's another contest this year. Did,
0: I think we leaked it. it? We, we think leaked think it, but it I bit. think it was on the St. Cloud podcast. We talked with John and Adam. But John's on our team, but Adam's not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Desiree is now on the uh, the winning team. Uh, one of the championship teams we have. yeah uh, <laughs> I said one of. I said one of. See, Dan and I, we, we come from the team. We're undefeated, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. We're undefeated. I
2: mean, we we kind of blew them out of the water last year. But
0: yeah, I know. Dan, we, are we,
1: you don't. on the other side? Who's on? No, no you're on. We're on. We're all on the same team.
2: I think we can yeah.
0: of like a cheer thing on that Yeah, the yep. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Anyways. So we have a, we have, yeah, the shop-to-shop competition. Desiree's on our team. So now she has some, would you not say big brothers, uh, help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not, she has an awesome setup. We're just going to perfect it ever so yeah, And slightly. she has a big box. Yeah. On have, property. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh,
1: just, it's just getting the time. Tell your husband he has to
2: put
0: you. And my husband
1: hunts. You're going to have to tell the
2: husband to watch the kids (laughs) because we need
0: points. You can tell it's a different persona with Desiree being the host because she has like highfalutin tea and a real tea cup. Like it's (laughs) her (laughs) coffee cup.
2: And you can't even pick on me today because I'm actually just drinking Folgers. Just
0: regular? Yeah. Yeah. Waity toity.
1: My cup says go get them.
0: I'm drinking tea. (laughs) Two. (laughs) Iced tea. Yeah. Iced tea. Sweet tea. Anyways, back to broadheads.
1: We should talk. We should. I just want to say one thing about this because now with this year in Minnesota, crossbows are legal for everybody. So what is the what is the broadhead suggestion for crossbows then? Because they've got the massive.
0: No fixed heads.
2: That's, that's the problem. <laughs>
0: 99% of the time, no fixed heads. Yeah. If you were to shoot a fixed head, I'd probably shoot an SS3 from Slick Trick. Yep. Small cut on contact the the thing or about that it b three the one too. destruct yeah yeah, something so tiny. you have to actually like read your owner's manual or ask one of us, you can't is it an inch and a sixteenth? Mm-hmm. there's an actual diameter on your fixed heads if if somebody were ever to say anything, if you shoot a larger diameter fixed head, it voids the warranty on the crossbow, okay. seriously, yeah, that comes right from one of the big dogs. Uh, actually i read, I read it. I'll look in the owner's manual when we're done. I read it somewhere like literature. So it's not just verbatim. So it's facts. Yeah. Oh, shit. But, uh, if you are going to shoot a fixed V3 destructor and SS3, something itty bitty, itty bitty. Short ferrell. Yeah. So Smaller what, cut.
1: what about mechanicals? Do you guys, isn't that mechanical?
0: Raven. Yeah. Uh, rage. Rage, no um, collar, Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper on Green. grain. Grim Reaper's are three-blade, Rages are two-blade, the Raven Steels are two-blade.
2: We should talk a little bit about constant phone calls that we're getting about over-the-top expandables. Because we do sell a manufacturer that is over-the-top expandable, and what that means is the blades fold from the top instead of a rear deploy. Oh, absolutely. We should talk about it. We actually did a podcast with this company. Yeah. We were on it. And we had a guy call yesterday mm-hmm.
0: and said... It's not open. I'll I'll tell you what he said. He goes, I shot through my Glendale buck. And there's no entrance hole. The same size as the ferrule. Okay. Blades over the top. They open on the inside. Mm -hmm. And on the exit hole, the broadhead was closed. So what we're talking about is actually just one broadhead company that we have that's open. Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper. Oh, and like Dan said, over the top. They come over the top of the ferrule. And then a huge cutting diameter. Three blades, four blades.
2: Wonderful design, actually.
0: The inertia of the arrow, when that tip, it's got a big, long, huge chisel tip. Mm -hmm. When it hits, hide, bone, the inertia of that arrow coming forward and the small slowdown of the tip hitting, the blades go backwards. It's not spring assist, but it's spring unleashed. Mm -hmm. And then the broadheads are cutting, or the blades are cutting now the same effect happens when it goes through your animal and the arrow is stopped by foam if you're shooting a target Mm -hmm. or when you hit the dirt that arrow stops the blades they you pick them up and you say oh the blades didn't open they retract back they retract back so probably after last year later last year and this year grim reaper crossbow broadhead it's a three blade over the top hunter grain is if not the number one seller out of this shop it's one of for crossbows rage no colors is unbelievable they make a tripan which is titanium but um, you have so much force kinetic energy and feet per second your arrow is traveling so fast on just for example like a raven r10 that a fixed blade back to that surface area it planes and when it planes, we can't tune it. We can't twist the cables. There's we can't move can the do. rest. Yeah. I mean, you can fletch your, you can put different fletchings on and it may correct a little bit, but you're you that's one animal that you're not going to beat. Or that's one, you know, that's one feet you're not going to tackle. It's going too fast. Mm-hmm. If everybody in the sh- everybody comes in the shop, if they could shoot 280 feet per second, then I wouldn't care what they shoot. Right. Because we can tune it to a certain yardage mm-hmm.
2: and if you're shooting a correct mm-hmm. rest too not like a hostage rest or something <laughs> yep
1: so what is what is what is your guys's go-to broadhead that you <sighs> shoot like what do you shoot for white tail
0: i shoot a rage no color tripan and a grim reaper mini mag or, or pro three blade The Pro 3 blade has a black collar on it, and it's a sweatback blade. So it's 40 degrees, so it increases my penetration. Um, Fortunately, I'm a little bit bullheaded, and I pull a lot of weight. So I'm touching on most of my builds is 295 to 305 for feet per second. So I'm never worried about kinetic energy loss or... Them Grim Reapers, I'll send right through anything and not think twice. The I like the Rage No Collar, but I like the tripan better because of the material. I like titanium. So those will be my two. I I'm going to dabble with, it's a Slick Trick Torch. Is that what they're called? But they're not in my quiver for North Dakota yet, but I'm going to play with them.
1: And what's the furthest? Like, what's the furthest you'll shoot? Eighty. What about you, Dan? What are you gonna use?
2: Pretty much exactly what Wade said: (laughs) tripan, a pro three, or a mega meat from G five. Those mega meats are sweet, big cut, three blade. People see the blade, those super sharp. Um, Grim Reaper. I think that's just an overall very durable good expandable, especially for turkeys for like bear too, something with a big you know, a lot of fat, a lot of hide. Um last year I shot a tripan for my bear and that deer in Kansas. Um I think those three are like the best out there personally. If you're shooting roughly over sixty pounds and over a twenty eight inch draw.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a big thing too. I'm um, I'm lazy. And I don't want to track a deer. Like, I don't need practice. <laughs> I'm not an inspector gadget. So, you know, I, I hate want... hate long tracks. I want blood. Yeah, I, Hell, I want to see him go down. Yeah. So, I'm going to take every benefit I can. and And call this ignorance if you want, but I will never skimp on accuracy. Ever. I'm not a pie plate guy like a paper plate the all it's good enough white tail accuracy as john calls it right like that's not good enough for me if i can't put three arrows in a pringle can at 80 yards with a broadhead,
1: but that is also why you are a target guy
0: well i mean it's (laughs) it's the same basis right like if you aim small you miss small why not hit small um and back to that being lazy not track like you shot your bear besides it was thick and nasty you didn't have to go very far to get him your deer was less than that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you can do the same thing with fixed, right? That, that and that's the biggest thing about this little chat that we're having. If you do your job and you're accurate and you put it in the boiler room, you're going to be fine.
2: Another thing, too, is I think look at the anatomy of a deer or what what you're hunting because I think that there is a place for fixed heads, too. You know, I, I really do. Um, but if you hit that shoulder square on, you're kind of SOL in a way. It's just kind of the way it is when it, when it comes to a deer. I mean, unless you're shooting something super close range with just an ungodly heavy arrow with high poundage, you're just not going to have good results. So look at the anatomy and maybe just stray away from that shoulder. And I've and I've hit that shoulder many times. With a lot of fixed heads and Mm -hmm. i've had minimal results i've done it i've
1: actually been thinking about that a lot recently with where i aim and and wondering if maybe i need Mm -hmm. to not aim just a little further back or whatever just because if i I did or try to stick
2: to a broadside shot or quartering away right you know that's all your shot angles too
0: you know and that's yeah obviously your anatomy um, the biggest thing I think with ninety percent—that's a big number—but ninety percent, like we'll practice, we'll tune. They're doing everything right, but in the heat of the moment, yeah, like you can become stupid, mm-hmm. and you'll take a dumb shot, and mm-hmm. you, like because you the the killer pressure, instinct in right? you, like the I am almost to the touchdown. Like all I have to do is it, and it's there. If you would have waited five seconds or maybe shot a minute earlier. You I know, do however. that. I play
1: that game all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do I take I it mean, now? This isn't maybe ideal. And,
0: <laughs> and I, I want to walk softly because that's why we do it, right, is for that adrenaline rush right. and that—that that, that's why we're hunters. But in the killer instinct of us, sometimes we become dumb. There's nothing that, there's no Band-Aid for dumb. There's no Band-Aid for taking a quartering two straight down shot. On a you know an average white whitetail buck of two hundred, or shooting
2: pounds. a whitetail straight on, you know, yeah, and just, yeah, like, and, I, um, and I've done it. I mean, I, it's yeah, it's all live and learn, you know. Right. Yeah. It's it's but
1: that's why that's why I like this podcast because I think that this is a good way to yeah I mean, to hear about some of those things that have yeah. happened and learn from other people because I talk about this all the time when we when I'm doing my women's group thing. I'm like, hey, honestly, you just gotta go and hunt. Like, mm-hmm. I could tell you anything, but you gotta, you gotta figure out how you respond to that pressure because it's different for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. There's some stone cold killers out there that, that nothing, like they don't get excited until it's done, and then the wheels come off. But they are so mentally strong, you know. And I think, like, we only see the TV hunters. Right. right, we only read know. about the celebrities and articles, or the YouTube channels, or even the podcast now is huge, and we'll get some guests on. But there's so many out there that are not televised, or and they're just lethal. I mean, yeah. every time, every time they go on a trip, uh, Dan's one of them. Like he went to Kansas, and we're like, "Yep, yeah, there, it's going to be a deer." I didn't think it was going to be the first 15 minutes of his hunt, but I want to get know. like
1: that. That's what I want to be. <laughs>
0: But there, there's a, you know, a, a ruggedness, a stone cold killer in everybody. It's just harnessing that, you know, the biggest thing is right now people have been shooting for three, four months and all of a sudden target panic is a, is a broad and they're stopping in and, um, it's like, okay, do you fix it now and start your process, which isn't the best? Or do you just like, you just got to say self. I'm going to put the pin where it needs to be. Get it together. Yeah. And if anybody ever comes in and tells me to send it, you know, that (laughs) slogan, like, I'm going to slap you. Like you didn't (laughs) aim high and let (laughs) her fly. Yeah. Yeah. Aim low. Watch it go. Uh, Whatever. (laughs) I love, I love all the cliches, you know, but no, it's, I don't know. Keep, you keep firing to us. We'll keep answering questions.
1: Okay. Well, I think, the, like, the last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly for broadhead stories.
0: Oh, I got Maybe. some good ones. I know Dan's got <laughs> some better ones. <laughs> I got oodles. <laughs> you start, Daniel. Uh,
2: yeah, so remember I mentioned that straight-on shot? Yeah. 2013, um, first year in Nebraska, I watched this very large nine-pointer. I would have he would have been high 150s just mega typical watched him and he made his way through the super thick area into a scrape that was at 10 yards away and he's coming in he's quartering two i draw back my bow and i'm in a cottonwood tree and i'm pretty much skylined and he comes right into that scrape quartering two and i should have just shot him right there because it was barely quartering two Mm -hmm. and he looks up at me he's stomping and he's he's i'm at full draw for over a minute and he's doing the head thing, you know. And I tried tucking my arm into my armpit just to, because my arm was starting to shake a little bit. And my stabilizer hits my stand. Oh. And he wrenched up his head. And at this point, I was like, well, this is going to be my biggest deer ever. And this was, I was probably low 20s at the time. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to shoot him straight on. I am gonna try to kind of tuck it into his neck area, and down into his cavity. And I'm shooting an ulmer edge. Do you know what that is? Uh-huh. Super small cut, pivoting blade system, about the worst possible mechanical you could ever take for this shot. Because even if it's inside the cavity, those blades are just moving. It's not cutting, you know. So I shoot him straight on. I get terrible penetration because I was shooting a super light arrow. Just a bad combination. 100% my fault and long story short the next morning
0: we jumped him
2: and uh it was never able to recover him just because there was minimal blood and and what so
0: you think you just got into the brisket or did you get through that either?
2: i think i killed him yeah yeah arrow half the arrow was still inside of him oh there's just no that's so hemorrhaging tough. oh it is
1: it is so tough awful. i mean now it's kind of it's It's a little bit better because we could, you could call trackers and, you know.
2: Right. And and I guess I would never make that shot again. And if I, if I would have been shooting a different setup, probably an arrow that would have been 100 grains heavier with a fixed end. Like that, that'd be the ideal situation if you're going to take a stupid shot. Like it probably would have worked for me, but it was just not a, overall not a good situation for what i did you know and it's it's all live and learn you that's archery for you i mean you're gonna if you've never wounded a deer with archery you're probably i hate to say it but it will happen at some point and and that's the older you get the smarter you get and you don't that's why
1: practice and all this stuff that we're talking about everything matters like buying that extra pack of broadheads exactly is
2: And, and i mentioned it was you know it was not the ideal broadhead but it was not the broadhead's fault it was no, overall no. my stupidity
0: because a broadside or slight quartering too. Yeah. If you like say a minute earlier or mm-hmm. when you first drew or broadhead or broadside shot, you would have, he'd be on the wall. Yeah. Um, I th- that's not the story I thought you were going to tell. So we'll come. Uh, I, th- this is, this is cool because it's not a trophy buck. It's a, it's a small dough and custer that when I shot the fixed blades, this is what happened. So it's a spot-and-stock situation. And a couple of does were just feeding. There's not like, it's it's in big pine trees, right? They're just feeding on some grass and doing their thing. <clears throat> and there's a rock ledge right behind them. And I snuck up. I had an old, I think it was one of the very first Nikon rangefinders that I think got handed down or something. But I ranged, and it was 52 yards. I had a Hoyt Ultratech. Or Magnetech, maybe. Same thing. Yeah. And <laughs> I had bought, I had went to Cabela's. Like, I'd made a couple hundred bucks picking rock, and I, I drove down to Cabela's down here, and I bought some Cabela's camo, four-inch, f- pre-fletched. They didn't cut them. Like, I yeah. just glued inserts. Like. And How I old were you? This. this uh, 1998, been. I'd have been 16, 17. 17. And, um, then it was time to get broadheads and I went to fleet farm and I had like 30 bucks in my wallet. Right. And they had this little itty bitty, it looks like an SS three, but it's a piece of shit broadhead. It was 1299 for a pack of three.
2: Like a, who made it like Rocky uh, Mountain or something? No, or? it wasn't not even a name. Even brand. A brand. It was a fleet farm. Brand. Oh,
0: nice. Like Fieldstone or something. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Like you probably find them in the camping (laughs) section at Target now. But anyways, I could get two packs because I had a six arrow quiver. So we snuck up on this doe and uh, 50 yards, which probably shouldn't have took the shot. Drew back is on my knees. You could see these big orange and white fletchings like just. And she like picked her head up and trotted like 15 steps and just stood there i went well i missed you know completely pissed knocking on there now she's facing completely away from me (laughs) ranged like 71 yards so i put the bottom pin on the her her back and i was shooting a true true flyer true flight oh yeah you know the the old camel yeah, Yeah, yeah like you're holding a hammer yeah and I remember I just, wham, slam that trigger and watch that arrow arc about eight feet above her and then land right at the base of the tail. And she went <laughs> down, spined her. But my arrow went in like eight inches. So, you know, high fives and all this. We walk up to her and there is a hole in the 10 ring through both. Oh, my. I'd pinwheeled her, but she had no clue what had went on. She <laughs> was dying. <laughs> and I thought I completely <laughs> missed but there was no blood you know Mm -hmm. i was like wow so that was my like my last time of a fixed blade um then i went to school in laramie wyoming and there's a pro shop there and got to you know those guys at that time they knew what was going on and like switched the whole game and then it was all about accuracy and less about you know, the whole penetration game because we're hunting muleys and whitetails and antelope and then some elk, but I didn't hunt elk. Right. So that was just a, you know, like I did everything perfect and I didn't see the end result, so then I took a stupid desperation shot. Luckily I hit her, but yeah. if I would have just been calm, she would have died.
1: That's crazy. That's but crazy. Yeah.
2: Wow.
0: No, that So I guess that wasn't like a negative. But it was
2: not negative at all. It was that's
0: nice a good story uh, mean, mine look just awful. Awesome. <laughs> well, the negative one would be that wide load deer that oh, w- that was a mechanical and that that that's more on the like it just happens it's i don't know if you remember that story but he, yeah
1: you shot didn't you shoot it in the earlier or, in the neck but you didn't know
0: yeah. uh, so october 5th is i shot him at 60 yards And I mean, so I shoot a hinge, right? Mm -hmm. So there's not like, you can still dump it, but it's controlled more or less. So I have time to aim right behind the pocket. I can remember it just like it was yesterday, right behind the pocket. The hinge clicks right behind the pocket. His head's down. I shoot, but it's 60 yards. I was shooting a little bit heavier arrow. Okay. They were new to us at that time. And, uh, I hit him. I knew I hit him. And of course... He run off, wheeled, and then we went back and got everybody, and there's blood everywhere, massive amounts of blood, and then 100 yards into it, less and less and less and less and less. Long story short, to speed up the whole process, like uh, he didn't die. I hit him in the base of the shoulder, like right in front of the shoulder, and it came out his neck. He was a half inch below his vertebrae and two inches above his jugular. And the only reason is because I shot him again in October, or the end of October, and he could see the hole. He's, he's in the shop. I can show you the hole. We left it in the hide. But uh, that that's just, that had nothing to, like Dan's story, it wasn't the mechanical's fault. Right. And that was a mega meat. Right. Um, Or not a mega meat, the dead meat. Mm-hmm. A little bit smaller than that. It was a deer move. Stuff happens. 60 yards is a lot of time for that deer to react. Mm-hmm. So yeah. positive and negative, but I still shoot mechanical.
1: I have one from one of our hunts, but it was, it was basically like just for, for this woman had come in to shoot or she was coming on a her mentor, her mentored hunt and she went to a shop and the shop gave her a rage broadhead and she was only shooting 30 pounds mm. And she shot a deer, I was sitting right next to her, she shot a deer, but it did not, it barely, with 30 pounds, it barely went in one, lung, in one lung, and we tracked that deer for a long time, but we could not.
2: Never found it? Never
1: found it. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, that's tough, especially when you're trying to teach mm-hmm. some, yeah. someone about one. And then, but, you
0: know, that's where. So that's it's where so it,
1: important to have a good, a good sh- shop, which is. Steer
0: so you, you in the right direction. Steer you in the right yeah.
1: direction and ask all the right questions mm-hmm. because you need to get it covered to make right. sure make sure that when that time comes and you're out there spending time in the woods that you're doing it the best you can, mm-hmm. the most ethical way. So Yeah.
0: I think you did a great job. It's your oh. first host. Thanks. But now you gotta close us out.
1: I know. Well, if you have questions about broadheads or are thinking about changing it up, or need an extra set now because you want to practice with them, (laughs) Um, stop on in to any of our three locations in Rogers, Waite Park, and Brainerd, and talk to any of our guys. They are all very knowledgeable and can let you know what you need, or get your bow tuned up. Or if you haven't taken it out yet, please do (laughs) and stop in. Anything else?
2: Good job, Des. Yeah.
1: Thanks. It was
2: fun. All right. Well Wade.
0: We'll <laughs> see you on down the road, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> it
1: doesn't feel right without. It's it. It's so good.
0: So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Archery Country podcast. Stop in any of our locations, Wade Park, Brainerd, or Rogers. Check us out online if you want to chat with one of our experts. You can. On behalf of everybody at Archery Country, we'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.